Welcome to Cases and Controversies, a legal podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm Jordan Rubin, and I'm here with Bloomberg Law's own Kimberly Robinson, who's going to be in the room where it happens when Brett Kavanaugh does not really answer the senator's questions and then gets confirmed. Kimberly, can you tell our listeners what to expect from these hearings, sort of give us a a layout of how it's all going to go down? Well, sure. We expect uh, Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings to be pretty similar to what we saw last year uh, for Neil Gorsuch. So the Judiciary Committee has announced that Uh, the hearings will kick off the Tuesday after Labor Day on September 4th, that they will last four days. And then the typical uh, schedule is that on the first day, we don't actually have any questions. It's just opening statements um, from each of the senators and from the judge himself. And then on day two and three, that's when we might Um, see some of the sparks fly. That's when senators will take turns um, through different rounds of questioning of the judge. And then on the fourth and final day, uh, the judge actually won't even be in the room. Um, There'll be witnesses for both uh, Republicans and Democrats who will come and speak about uh, kind of Brett Kavanaugh's strengths and some of his weaknesses. Let's get back to some of these sparks that that might fly before the, the confirmation actually happens. Kimberly, I don't know if you saw uh, Vice President Pence tweeted that he lamented that we did not live in a more respectful time when judges were overwhelmingly confirmed. So what types of disrespectful questions do you anticipate Senate Democrats lobbying at Kavanaugh? Well, I don't know if they'll be disrespectful. Um, But I do think that one of the major sticking points is going to be abortion, although it might not just be from Democrats. Kavanaugh might face some questions from Republicans on this issue as well. And the reason that it's going to be one of the most pressed issues is because it really seems like the issue of abortion has the best chance, even if a pretty small chance, of uh, tripping up Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation. And that's because there are two pro-choice Republican senators um, who Democrats are eyeing to try and swing them the other way. Uh, That's Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. Now, one of the things that I think the Democrats are going to focus on is that, you know, then candidate Trump said during uh, his debate with Hillary Clinton that he would nominate Supreme Court justices who would, quote, automatically overturn Roe versus Wade. And I think senators are going to be taking the president on his word, at least as to that promise. And, um, The judge, however, did meet uh, with both Collins and Murkowski, along with a handful or a number of other senators uh, in the weeks weeks leading up to these confirmation hearings. And what we heard from both Collins and Murkowski was suggestions that they uh, were thinking about supporting Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation. And actually, Collins told uh, reporters and a presser afterwards that Uh, Kavanaugh had agreed with what John Roberts had said during his confirmation hearings that Roe versus Wade, the landmark abortion case, was, quote, settled law. Uh, Judge Roberts, in uh, your confirmation hearing for circuit court, uh, your testimony read to this effect, and it's been widely quoted, uh, Roe... Uh, is the settled 
uh, law of the land. Uh, uh, do you mean settled for you, settled only for your capacity as a circuit judge, or settled beyond that? Well, beyond that, it's settled as a precedent of the court, uh, entitled to respect under principle. Now, that has caused some angst among both uh, Republicans and Democrats, Republicans assuring uh, their supporters that Brett Kavanaugh uh, only meant that it was um, settled law and not correct law, and Democrats saying basically the same thing. And Democrats note that, you know, even though Roberts said he thought that Roe versus Wade was settled law, the Supreme Court overturns settled law um, quite often. Indeed, it overturned a, f a more than 40-year-old precedent just last term relating to public sector unions. And then since his time on the court, uh, Chief Justice Roberts has actually voted to uphold a number of abortion restrictions, uh, most recently in 2016 in the whole women's health case. So I think these are all issues um, that senators are on the left and the right are going to be pressing Kavanaugh on. But uh, another thing that we're going to be seeing from Kavanaugh, um, Jordan, and maybe you could tell us a little bit more about this, is um, how Brett Kavanaugh views the presidency. Well, um, as many of us know by now who've been following this, uh, before Kavanaugh was a judge, he worked in the George W. Bush White House, and notably he also worked on Ken Starr's investigation into Bill Clinton. So he's had a, a wide range of experience when it comes to the executive branch, whether it's uh, working and defending an expansive theory of it or attempting to actually pursue the president himself when it comes to the Clinton investigation. We also have some rulings from his time on the, the D.C. circuit that suggest he has a somewhat expansive view of the rights of the presidency. We also have some outside writings from Kavanaugh. For example, there was a Law Review article from 2009 in which he wrote that he thought Congress should pass a law to protect sitting presidents from criminal exposure while they're in office. And as sort of a justification for that, he pointed to his experience both in the George W. Bush White House and his work on the Starr investigation, leading him to conclude essentially that presidents, you know, have a lot of important stuff to do, and they shouldn't really be bothered by things like criminal investigations, like the investigation that Kavanaugh and Starr aggressively pursued against Clinton. So again, you mentioned what Democrats might point out as a potential hypocrisy. It could be, well, you know, sort of convenient now to say having aggressively pursued Clinton, albeit unsuccessfully, in the end, you turn around now and say, well, you know, I thought about this and we should kind of leave these presidents alone. And that could well be what Kavanaugh's view actually is, whether it's changed or not over time. It just so happens that he's nominated by a president that uh, Democrats fear. Um, well, just fear, I think, is uh, an accurate way to put it. And so it brings up charges of, oh, Trump is, you know, installing this uh, nominee who's going to protect him by, from doing whatever he wants, whether it's refusing a subpoena or anything else. I don't know how justified that concern is. At the same time, it might be fair to question Kavanaugh uh, to see what he actually says about it and let him speak for himself on the issue. 
And Democrats have a particular concern about Kavanaugh's view on whether or not a sitting president can be um, indicted criminally and kind of this concern uh, with the surrounding the Mueller investigation that the president, um, you know, there may be something attaching the president to the Russia, Russia investigation and then, you know, Kavanaugh would, would protect the president. Or what? What's really the basis of that? Well, I think it's... I don't think there's a direct basis for any of it. I think you sort of, if you're looking to oppose the Kavanaugh confirmation, you take whatever sort of bits and pieces you can, whether it's from his time in the Star investigation, whether it's time from his time in the Bush White House to his outside writings, and you have this sort of generally expansive view of the president. You have a remark uh, that he's uh, made in terms of possibly even questioning the precedent that led to Richard Nixon having to comply with a subpoena, but that didn't come by way of a judicial opinion that he wrote on the DC circuit. And so I don't know how much you can point to that and say that's going to lead to Kavanaugh necessarily protecting a president, but there's enough out there that certainly senators can rightfully ask about it, although I wouldn't say that there's rock-solid proof that Trump, uh, by way of Kavanaugh, is going to be installing this sort of safeguard against any trouble that Trump uh, gets himself into. And we're probably not going to hear an answer from Kavanaugh on that point, right, simply because it's not um, a settled law whether or not a sitting president can be indicted criminally. Uh, And that's because... uh, as um, the GOP calls it, the Ginsburg rule, where citing Ruth Bader Ginsburg during her confirmation hearings, um, she said she couldn't uh, talk about uh, issues that might come before the court. Um, and nominees to follow have often said that, although uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg did actually answer quite a bit of things that um, have come before the court since then. Yeah, but we shouldn't get let that get in the way of naming the rule after her. So besides the abortion issue, besides the criminal law issue, uh, what other kind of lightning bolts do we expect uh, the Senate Democrats to throw down at, at Kavanaugh from, the, from their seats up there? Well, I think that uh, two senators, uh, Senator Dick Durbin and Patrick Leahy, will press Kavanaugh quite a bit over enemy combatants and the Bush administration's um, policy with regard to these enemy combatants. And that's because Kavanaugh was in the White House at this time. Now, this takes a little bit of stepping back. Brett Kavanaugh uh, had confirmation hearings for the D.C. Circuit in 2006. And he was asked by uh, these senators whether or not he had any involvement in the Bush administration's policy over the detention and treatment of these enemy combatants. And Kavanaugh answered that he did not. Uh, Senator, I did not, uh, I was not involved and am not involved in the questions about the rules governing governing uh, detention of combatants or, uh, uh, and so I didn't, I do not have any involvement with that. And with respect- Now, after Kavanaugh was confirmed to the D.C. Circuit, information came out that Kavanaugh had actually been consulted on a very narrow issue of how 
Justice Anthony Kennedy, whom he had clerked for previously, would view the administration's policy and reportedly Kavanaugh said that he thought that Kennedy would require that these enemy combatants um, have at least access to counsel. And so since that time, uh, Senators Dick Durbin and Patrick Leahy have argued that Kavanaugh actually either lied to them or at least misled them. And I expect that we'll see both of these senators um, question him um, quite a bit about about this interaction. Um, and it may be that we get some some details on that because you know this is an issue that's already come before the court, that's already settled law, and has to do with his time in the White House and not really uh, his time as a justice. So this might be something uh, where we get some you know heated questions and maybe some heated answers from Judge Kavanaugh. So what's what's Kavanaugh's defense when it comes to this in him saying, you know, if he's what's his defense saying that he didn't lie? Well, you know, Kavanaugh was a judge at the time that uh, this subsequent information came out about his um, discussions about Anthony Kennedy. And so we haven't really heard from Kavanaugh himself. Others have said that it's really a matter of interpreting, um, you know, what the meaning of involvement is. And so, Going back to the Clinton again. <laughs> yes, yes. That's just for you, Jordan. Um, and so I think you'll you'll see um, some kind of explanation about, you know, the limited role that Kavanaugh had when you talk about, you know, how much discussion must have gone into the Bush, the Bush administration's policy and enemy combatants and, uh, you know, whether or not uh, Dermot and Leahy are satisfied with that response um, remains to be seen. And even if they're not satisfied... There's not a whole lot they can do about it. <laughs> not beyond questioning him about it and voting against him for sure. But, you know, uh, I think another thing, without getting too much in the weeds, that uh, senators are going to press him on are probably going to be his views of the administrative state. Uh, the Trump administration has not hidden the fact that it thinks that uh, the administration, the administrative state is out of control. They certainly um, have taken aim at regulations, at least in words, and in um, particularly with the EPA and their regulations. And Kavanaugh has been pretty skeptical of the administrative state, uh, at least when it comes to environmental regulations. And so I expect that we'll um, see some senators grill him about this and how much deference he thinks that agencies are entitled to. Uh, and really, without going in, into more, I think that's just kind of an issue to keep keep our eyes on. So talking about the, the deference agencies are entitled to, uh, the answer being him thinking that they're not entitled to as much deference as other people would give. Is that right? Well, you know, this is something that's a little different between Kavanaugh and um, Justice Gorsuch, who really have a lot of parallels. I mean, they went to the same um, high school prep school. They clerked with Kennedy at the same time. They were both um, on circuit courts around the same time. Um, so there's a lot of similarities here. But Th this one is actually a little bit different in that Gorsuch is more along the lines that you were explaining, doesn't think that agencies deserve a lot of deference. To hear Kavanaugh explain it, at least, um, you know, in recent years, it's more a question of how judges interpret ambiguity um, in statutes. And so 
stepping back, you know, this idea of agency deference really depends on if Congress hasn't spoken specifically to an issue, it's presumed that they kind of leave it up to the agency's discretion. Um, but that really turns on whether or not the statute is ambiguous or not. And Kavanaugh says that it's really hard to come up with, you know, an objective standard for what's ambiguous and what's not ambiguous. Um, so I think that is an issue where senators might kind of push on that to see um, where they might lead. I suspect that the results between Kavanaugh and Gorsuch won't be much different. Um, but again, I expect that we'll have some questions about that. Okay. Well, what about anything that's less ambiguous? Anything that, any other topics that uh, senators can really hit Kavanaugh on in any substantive areas that we haven't talked about yet? I do think that there are three issues um, that senators uh, are going to be asking questions about, though they might not take as much of a focus as some of the others that we've been talking about, like abortion and presidential powers. Uh, one is affirmative action, um, and that's because Justice Kennedy, um, who Kavanaugh would be replacing, uh, was a swing vote to uphold affirmative action programs in college admission programs. Um, and so I think that some senators will try to get a taste of how Kavanaugh views affirmative action programs. And there's some a, f a few bits of evidence that suggest he might be uh, more hostile to them. Um, like what? Didn't Kavanaugh say something along the lines of, at some point, we'll all merge into one harmonious race together or something? <laughs> that we are all one race in the eyes of the government. Uh, that's what he said. And uh, that has kind of been along the lines of what Chief Justice Roberts has said and what his jurisprudence around affirmative action and other race-based um, considerations have been. And we've seen Justice Roberts, uh, Chief Justice Roberts, actually vote pretty hostily towards affirmative action programs. And so, um, you know, if you're going to make that parallel, then, uh, you know, you would suspect that uh, Kavanaugh would vote similarly in affirmative action programs. Uh, I think Democrats will press him on it. I don't think we'll get a lot of answers from him. Um, another thing that um, will probably be pressed but not a lot of answers is the Second Amendment. seems as though Kavanaugh has uh, his jurisprudence suggests that he has a pretty expansive view of what the Second Amendment protects um, and expect to see Democrats really push on how broadly he thinks that the Second Amendment applies. And then finally, I think we might um, hear particularly from the Democratic senator from Hawaii, Maisie Hirono, about uh, sexual harassment. She's been pressing all judicial nominees about sexual harassment and any settlements that they may have entered into. But she said um, earlier that she had some special questions uh, for Kavanaugh related to uh, Judge Kaczynski, with whom he clerked. Uh, Judge Kaczynski was kind of a story judge on the Ninth Circuit until recently, uh, when he resigned in disgrace over several sexual harassment allegations. And uh, not only was Kavanaugh his clerk, but he also remained very close to Kaczynski. And there's going to be some questions about what Kavanaugh knew about Judge Kaczynski, about the sexual harassment allegations surrounding about him. In particular, Kavanaugh and Kaczynski worked on a kind of screening committee for Justice Kennedy's clerks. Um, so several people to have raised this issues say it's almost unfathomable that um, Kavanaugh didn't know anything about it. Uh, but that's what the White House has said. They said Kavanaugh didn't know. And so we'll see what Kavanaugh has to say in these confirmation hearings. So speaking about what we know or don't know, um, let's talk a little bit about the, the documents that 
Senate Democrats are still looking to to get their hands on. We've heard about how from the Republican side how there's been a record number of documents that have been made public. But um, so if that's the case, what do people have to complain about? Well, I think it's really a matter of are you looking at the number of documents versus are you looking at the present percentage of documents that are available. So we have seen um, Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley uh, say that, you know, this is the most number of documents that's been turned over by a Supreme Court candidate ever. Um, Dianne Feinstein on the other side, the ranking member of the Judiciary Committee says um, that those documents consist I think she said something like 40% of just invitations from the Federalist Society um, and that uh, they represent kind of single digit numbers of the percentage of documents that Kavanaugh or documents that relate to Judge Kavanaugh. And so it's really a matter of, you know, this percentage versus actual number. We'll also say that, you know, Democrats are not only complaining about the number of documents that are coming, but also the process by which these documents are being produced. And, you know, Democrats and Republicans really squabbled over what documents to request from the National Archives uh, related to Judge Kavanaugh's time in the White House. Um, And uh, Senator Grassley actually only ended up asking the archives for a portion of those documents. And the archives said, even as to just those portion of documents, they couldn't get them done until the end of October. Um, That had the chance to really push the confirmation hearings till after the midterm election, which has really been a drop dead date um, for Republicans. And so um, they decided to go through a different process, uh, working through uh, the Bush library and some of uh, the Bush's uh, personal attorneys. And so Democrats are, are concerned that that process isn't uh, going to turn over any documents that might be damaging. And we have seen actually some of the more damaging documents um, not come out of this process, but actually come from uh, FOIA requests from third parties. So we have some millions of documents, but there's other millions we don't have, and we don't know what's in them. Is that about right? I'm not sure millions, but thousands, hundreds of thousands. Okay. So Kimberly, you've laid out what's going to happen with these hearings. So after they take place, what can we expect after that? Well, after that, there'll be about a week um, for Judge Kavanaugh to answer um, some written questions. Not all, I mean, unbelievably, not every question that the senators have can be answered in these um, two-day sessions, um, some of which are open to the public, others of which are not. Um, So they submit these written questions, which Kavanaugh will try to get back um, pretty soon, probably within the week. And then probably uh, a couple weeks and a few days after that, he'll go to the floor and we'll have a vote on his confirmation. Republicans are shooting for before uh, the Supreme Court starts, which is October 1st, but that's a pretty tight timeline. So um, we'll see where we go from here. Uh, But uh, before then, you can, uh, my colleague Patrick Gregory and I will be sitting in the hearings um, for all four days um, and we'll be live tweeting the action as it happens. You can follow along. I'm at at Kimberly Robinson without the last O and Patrick is at at Patrick Gregory without the last O. Okay. Thanks, Kimberly. We can follow along with Kimberly and Patrick and go to news.bloomberglaw.com for the latest. Thanks for listening.